Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and today we have Ashley Wheeler with us. Hi, Ashley. Hi. And uh, you may know Ashley as Ashley Wheeler of Eight on Instagram, and I can't wait to sit down and just chat with her one on one. <laughs> we've talked on Instagram all the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> all, all the yes. time, but we've never talked one-on-one face-to-face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I really want to dive into your story, Ashley, and just have people get to know you in a more personal level because Ashley does a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley's a busy person. Um, she has a YouTube channel, which we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about YouTube channels. She resells with her husband. They have a very successful reselling business. She's a mama of eight, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. So before we get into all that, why don't you let everyone know who you are, how you got started and all that fun stuff. Perfect. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful that we finally got to talk. Cause like, you I said, know. <laughs> it's, it's been so great to talk on like the Facebook groups and Instagram, but yeah, face-to-face or even us talking about like, man, can someone just have a conference so we can just hug in person? Like, I know. <laughs> that's so necessary right now. But yes, if you guys don't know me, my name is Ashley Wheeler and you can find me on Instagram, Ashley Wheeler of eight and Ashley Wheeler eight on YouTube. But you know, it's funny. I just got my email from Poshmark like this last week saying your posh anniversary is up. And it was like that seven years. So I actually downloaded the app seven years ago, but kind of like maybe some of you, I downloaded the app and never did anything with it. I just saw someone talk about it and was like, oh, this is nice. And then never did anything. Um, It wasn't until one of my friends was on maternity leave and she was nesting and trying to clear things out that she, um, started to sell things online. And then she even posted on Facebook, like, Hey, if anyone has like used clothes, I will give you $20 for a garbage sack. So of course I was like, deal. I will do that. Cause like you mentioned, I had a lot of kids at home at the time and they were growing like weeds. Their clothing was still in good condition, but I was like, Hey, this is better than donating them. But when I got there, I was like, okay, so what are you doing? Cause I've always very much been an entrepreneur and At the time I was working full-time at an investment firm. And while I enjoyed that, I always had that mom tug of war, that mom guilt of like, you're at work supporting the family, but you're not home. And with the family of a, you know, a large family with the dynamics of sports and activities and awards, I felt like I was just missing so much. And the ages ranging at that time from like teenager down to babies, like me still nursing the youngest one. So of course my ears were just kind of burning to hear what she had to say. And she was like, I'm selling stuff on Poshmark. And she was like, I even sold some, like she works at Verizon. And so she can turn over her electronics pretty regularly. And she's like, I, I sold some speakers on there for a hundred dollars, which is funny now. Cause I'm like, they didn't even allow electronics at the time, yeah. but <laughs> that they also didn't monitor really well, but that really caught my attention. I decided, Hey, I can do photographing. I have a background in marketing and that would be fun as like a creative outlet. So I literally took a foam board from the dollar tree, found the brightest place in my house was, which was like the light in my bathroom, right above my tub (laughs) and was taking pictures of like Carter's clothing and like adding flowers because I loved the flat lay look but then I got to the point where I was doing like adult and juniors and I was like we got to find something else to do so Mm -hmm. I did that for a year and made a thousand dollars with just my family's clothing but at the time I had another Instagram where again creative outlet I was doing health or beauty or clothing. That was just what I was doing. I started searching there for people who were buying stuff and happened to find a couple resellers, which was a new term to me and started to watch them and found out that people were doing this crazy thing of going to thrift stores, buying valuable items and flipping it online, which I had understood the flipping term because my my um, husband used to flip cars. When we first got together, he would get classic cars and flip them. And that was just his hobby. That's what he liked to do. That is and- an expensive hobby. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very expensive hobby. It is a very expensive hobby, but he's really good at it. I'm impressed. Um- that is like a dream of mine, not to interrupt you. I want to do, like, I want to find a classic car and I want to restore it, but then I want to keep it. I don't want to sell it. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, and he's got one of those too. He has a 68 Mustang that has a really great history behind it. And he just adores that thing. And he still has that. And he's the second owner of it. So I can completely understand why. Yeah. And it's so nostalgic in our family now that like, I think at some point he's going to gift it to one of his boys. Aww. It's just, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, anyway. a, it's a good Mustang. <laughs> But yeah, he actually ended up stopping that hobby because his last one, instead of flipping with another car, he got my engagement ring. So he says that's Aww. the best investment he ever did. Oh, <laughs> what a sweet man. <laughs> I know. But yeah, so I started to go down really that rabbit hole of what is reselling. And I remember reaching out to some of these people and I'm like, what do you mean by full-time income? And how do I do that? Is it possible? And I just needed some of that affirmation from other people like I was seeing them going to the stores buying stuff but I'm like but is there really tangible like my mind couldn't wrap around that people were literally buying stuff at the thrift stores and flipping mm -hmm. it online so uh, that I just kind of started I you know was working still so my lunch breaks I was going to the thrift stores and had a lot of trial and error realized that retail does not mean resell <laughs> like in good value yeah. I was buying a lot of Ann Taylor realizing that doesn't resell too well and <laughs> so many mistakes but I just got in the habit of finding YouTube videos and finding people doing hauls or finding pictures on Instagram and saving those and just got to work and in the fall of 2019, I was able to step down from my full-time job. I stayed as an on-call only because I understood what it was like to be the one office manager there that could never find coverage. And so like even trying to go to a funeral was a, just insanity and stress overload. So I maintain an on-call status just so I can support those people, but I don't. I don't enjoy that nearly as much as I enjoy reselling. And I love that I can have full control over my schedule at this point. I feel that to my core. I take one day <laughs> off one day. I take five hours off for something and I walk into a disaster because I'm the same person, like in my role, there's no, like, I don't have a backup or anything like yes. that's I'm the person everyone mm -hmm. goes to me for things. And if I take any time out, it's really hard to come back to work. Yeah. It's a struggle. You're like, you're putting out fires. Yeah. Yep. It's like you walk <laughs> into, on a regular day, walk into 60 emails. And a day that I'm out of work, I walk into 150 emails. And I'm like, I'm yeah. just, this is all I'm doing all day, guys. This is it. Emails. Yep. Everything else, just <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> right. So oh when you started diving into reselling, I know you said that your husband was, you know, flipping cars and all that. Did he get into it right away? Or like, how did that all play out? Because if you guys don't know, um, they are a reselling duo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he, you know, that's a, that is a really good question. Cause I feel like when I started, I really found the passion in clothing and shoes, but I, was seeing him and actually this is this is a good part of the story he was working as a truck driver and at the time he was stationed because they had different projects they would get yeah. he was working at a landfill and there was one day that he texted me and he was like I feel like my heart just sank he's like I think I just dumped a whole truckload of donations from like a thrift store in the landfill and there's other times that he was finding new merchandise from retailers that i'm sure all of us go to and mm -hmm. he was like can i take this and they were like no the company has paid for us to destroy these items you cannot take them and i'm just like what a waste oh. and so he understood that we are in a wasteful society and he's always had this eye to see something that's old and turn into new, obviously with the cars, right. um, but he loves antiques for that purpose and has always been very creative and savvy in that regard. So he understood reselling. He didn't understand my, like, I'm diving into this thing. He's like, but why? And so it wasn't until a few months of me really sacrificing some of the time with the family and some of the time with him that he was like, we need to have a heart to heart. Like what? why are you doing this? And I began to open up saying, I'm actually really kind of doing this for you because I see that you feel like you are in a dead end job, but you can't do anything more. And it breaks my heart feeling like you're isolated, which is not him. He is the, right. he is definitely the person that wants to he, like, he finds friends everywhere. There's no strangers to him. And for him to be isolated in a truck all day long, I could see it wearing just on his soul. And I was like, I have to make a change. So once I shared that with him, 
he was like, oh yeah, okay, we can do this. And he found his way of like how to help. Even if that meant he wasn't even helping with reselling, it just meant he made dinner that night or right, he put yeah. the kids to bed while I did stuff. Uh, so that's how we really ebbed and flowed. You know, from the very beginning of our marriage, we've always been about you know, what is our love language? How do we handle each other? Or how do, how do we handle conflict? You know, what is our knee-jerk reaction? We've kind of operated in business the same way. Understanding our weaknesses is not a bad thing. It's so that it helps the other person know how they can assist or what are the strengths. So we've always been really good at saying, I hate doing this, or I really, really love doing this part of the business. So that way we know, we know how to ebb and flow together. So now when it comes to sourcing, you guys work together all the time now. Um, I know that he has an excellent eye for hard goods and yes. like the most ridiculous things that I would never even think to look at. And they sell for hundreds of dollars and it makes me yes. envy him because he's so good at it. Same. And then Same. you focus on the clothing. Is that still the dynamic or has he kind of jumped in to help with the clothing as well? How, how does that work now? So he is so funny and I, honestly cute in my opinion as well. I will have Ikea bags that I bring home and he's like, so show me what you got. And like, quite literally, that's what it is. So finally, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, you just need to wait until my YouTube video comes out because I can't keep doing this twice. Right, right. This is a lot <laughs> of work. Was- Yes, this is. But between showcasing to him the things that I was buying, as well as him helping me when it comes to the packages, he was seeing what I was bringing in. And then he's seeing what is selling. And I actually uh, print out the packing slips with like the Poshmark labels. So he was also seeing what they were selling for. So over the years of helping me do these things, he kind of knows what to pick up but then yeah he can still pick up a hiking bag or a piece of metal that turns into like a bike or a typewriter yeah or a braille machine I have a reel coming out about that soon (laughs) okay listen I so I was a a teacher for the visually impaired so I have a braille machine I will never ever part with that thing it will be buried with me like that is not going anywhere (laughs) those things I was you know I was gifted it as a graduation gift from one of my professors and and I have all my Braille equipment. I have everything. I could make so much money if I were to sell that. You'll never see me sell that thing. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. No, he he's hilarious like that. But he really has an eye for shoes. So he does great with like the um, Western boots, the hiking boots. I mean, he was former military. So he can pinpoint like the steel toe or the different military grade. Even look at certain camo colorways and know exactly what sort of military it is so he helps me in a lot of those areas when it comes to the the clothing and the shoes and whatnot uh but yeah he the dynamic is still if he has his way and we have the room he'll he will do hard goods but he does know enough about what we should pick up for the clothing and shoes now that he helps with that too what do you think brings in the most in your business if you were to split it is it the hard goods side of it or is it the clothing side of it I, you know, I've been looking at that over the last month, month and a half, because right now we've actually jumped down to just an eBay store. We're going to talk about this. We we probably will. We Um, will talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) I've had the Poshmark for so long that I was having so many items that were selling on eBay that wasn't getting removed on Poshmark. Cause again, we didn't have an easy way to search before the filters yeah. were horrible. So my former or my VA would think that something just wasn't on that platform anymore and wouldn't pull it off. So we were having a lot of cancellations that was just driving me crazy. So we had to really fix that on Poshmark. So I've been paying attention to eBay and we've been having about 12 to 13. No, actually I stand correct. It's like a thousand five hundred a week. And that's been a majority of clothing. We haven't had as many hard goods because we haven't been able to go out and get more. So I feel like the clothing is doing pretty good. It's just really nice when you get an item that sells for $300 and it's just. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. One item in the hard goods area. So those... I kind of think about it with like people who do luxury, like those items tend to sit longer, 
but when someone buys it, man, that's a good payday. Mm -hmm. But the clothing is kind of what keeps us going on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. I was just going to say that the clothing, and that was kind of my guess too, is that clothing is what keeps the bills paid, right? It's Mm -hmm. you, you, you can pretty much guess that you're going to sell however many every week because it, it's yeah. over time. When you do it for a long time, you kind of can guesstimate if I'm putting in this much, I'm probably going to sell this much. And you kind of have a good idea of all that numbers wise. Yeah. The hard goods are like the added bonus. It is like your end of the month, you know, monthly bonus that yeah. you're getting from your job, which is nice as well. And it's nice that your husband has an eye for that kind of stuff. And it's interesting. You mentioned the military camo stuff, because there's actually people that search for these type of items, military um, uniforms and, and all of that and memorabilia because it, it's a collectible yeah. piece to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Or even like camo, when it comes to hunting gear, he can also understand the colorways with that as well. And even know that this one's designated for this type of hunting, whereas this one's designated for more of like bird hunting, which I just, I do not have those hobbies in yeah. my normal day-to-day. So yeah, that hasn't been something I've just I noted. Say, I wouldn't even know. I would just look right past it. Not my thing. Yep. Like yeah, it can sit there kind of thing. Right. Um, so I want to ask you one more question and then we're going to get into like the nitty gritty of the struggles of this year, because we've talked about the struggles that I think all of us have had this year and we've had some deep conversations mm-hmm. about it. Um, but I do want to ask you, I, since you do have eight children, have your children ever been involved in your reselling business? I know there's people that listen every week and they're always like, I want to get my kids involved or I want them to help me. I don't want to hire someone to help me, you know, kind of thing. And they just don't know how to go about, or their child's just not interested in it. So were your kids ever interested in it? Yeah, actually some of them were obviously not all of them or some a little later understanding the value of thrifting, you know, maybe they wanted everything new with tags when they were younger, but then suddenly college age, they're like, wow, thrifting is amazing. We're like, yeah, because now you understand the cost of money. My yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but like our daughter, when she's going through, uh, so this is the youngest daughter of the older five. She, when she wanted extra money, she's like, can I do anything around the house? We're like, you know, you can bag some of our inventory or you can hang up some of our clothing or steam some items. So for her, that was kind of more of a chore where it's like, if she wanted the money, she could work for that. Uh, whereas a couple of our older kids, uh, one ended up going off with his girlfriend and thrifting and having their own Poshmark store and making some really good money on the side doing that. And then our oldest daughter, she ended up also with her boyfriend doing it, but they did it in a different tactic. She ended up moving to New Jersey for a while and loved more of the luxury brands. So she knew a lot more about like Farfetch, the real, real, and she was more strategic with like doing some consignment work or they would buy things on like Farfetch. And then after using it for a while, they would resell it. So it was kind of cool how it morphed into different things based on the personalities. But my younger kids, they're adorable. They're like, mommy, can I help with the tape on the box? Or mommy, how can I help you? Or so like they'll sort my inventory bags. So I think they're going to be the ones that they see us doing the work and we are pretty vocal about them of like we're doing this so that way we can go on our fun trips or we can go do Mm -hmm. our hikes or we can go take you to Legoland so we want them to understand the work aspect and see that but we also want them to enjoy the reward so I think because of that they'll probably continue to grow up wanting to help actually we went to a thrift store was a buy sell trade store and we were in Idaho at the time and walked in and they had a semi-annual sale, was not expecting it. We just were going to go in and check it out. And my, my nine-year-old was going around and grabbing something be like, mommy, is this a good brand? Mommy, is this a good brand? And he was in it. He was like, so wanting like to buy everything. And it was adorable. He was picking out some actually really good pieces. So I think we're going to see more of our younger kids in our videos for sure. That's really cute. And your youngest is how old now? She's going to be six in July. So okay. we've got six six, seven, and nine. Those are our younger ones. Yeah. So yeah, I could see that them. And especially like heading into the preteen years and everything. Like I want to be able to go out with my friends and get ice cream or something. And yeah, here's your way. Yeah. Jonathan being the nine-year-old, he already is saying how he can't wait to get a job. So, and we've already had the conversation about like, if you want to get a job, like what age you have to be, but being that we own a business, we can hire them sooner than that. And for tax purposes, you can actually do really well with 
hire, yeah, hiring your children to work for you. So. So interesting to see the dynamic. And I I just think it's fun to involve, especially the younger ones. Mm -hmm. It gives them a sense of what it means to work for something and what it means to like, what it actually means as an adult to have to provide for your family. Because I think for us that had parents with traditional jobs that left in the morning and came home at night, you, I mean, you understood they went to work, but you didn't, you don't really understand what that means. Unless you have a parent that owns their own business, then you see Mm -hmm. that side of it, but you still don't understand it unless they're home doing it. And I think that it just instills a different, I don't know, work ethic or understanding of how the world Mm -hmm. works. And today's world is so different too. So, you know, your your children that are older now that are adults, they're not going to see it the same way as your younger ones are. Like Mm -hmm. in today's world, you can acquire income in so many different ways that were never even possible even 10 years ago. Oh yeah, 100%. I remember about 10 years ago, I had a major passion for uh, wanting to teach moms or just any parents that were working or just at home that you don't have to sacrifice working to be at home with your kids. There are lots of things that you can do. Now, fast forward 10 years later and I'm like, wow, like I really wish I had really continued to pursue that message because I could have really funneled into all the things that have continued to happen over the years and how that what was there before is like quadruple what is possible nowadays, which is just amazing. I'm so thankful for that. I think more parents need to be at home with their kids or be more involved. Absolutely. And if anything has taught us in the last two years and being and having to be forced to be home and and go through all these different processes it's, I think, force people to realize what's, what actually matters and, and mental mm-hmm. health and all of that plays into it. And for a lot of people commuting every day and sitting in an office all day, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. Like they want to be home. They want a job that they can be home and they can watch their kids and not pay for daycare and mm-hmm. see all these different milestones happen. And I think there's just been such a shift in all of that. And it's, yeah. it's wonderful. And I don't know if the business office side of it all will ever come to terms with it. It's hard. Um, yeah. I have a lot of people in those positions that have just been there for a really long time. They're an older generation. And unless you have yeah. someone that's very forward thinking, it's very hard to have someone like that understand what that meant yeah. to you to be home and work from home for those two years. Um, and And I think that going back to what you said about doing something 10 years ago and thinking about that now present day and where you would be if you'd continued it. I think about that all the time because (laughs) in 2005, when I was graduating high school, I wanted a YouTube channel and this was a YouTube first, (laughs) right? So like, that's when YouTube really first, and it was just beauty YouTube, it was Mm -hmm. beauty YouTubers. And that was really it. Like that's when the beauty community was starting. And I was like, I want to do this. Like I love makeup. I love hair. I love all of this. I want a channel, but the, it was such a foreign concept. And like, how would I even do that? I barely even had a phone that worked at that time. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. not, it's not like today. I didn't have a webcam. I didn't have anything. So mm-hmm. you didn't do it because it was such an unknown. But now if you look at those people that started beauty channels in 2005 and where they are now, I sit back oh, yeah. and I'm like, if I had only started my YouTube channel, then I would be in such a different place right now than where I am. And I mean, everything happens for a reason, right? But it's just like, there are, there are so many things. And I always have known from a young age that I want, I wanted to own something that was my own, mm-hmm. whether that was a store or whatever. I always had this notion in my head that I was going to have a boutique. I don't know where it came from, probably my <laughs> love for fashion. But like, I always said to my mom, I'm going to own a boutique one day and it's going to have all different things from all around the world and different kind of clothes for every single person, no matter what size they are. And that's <laughs> always been a thing in my brain. Well, now I do own that. And it's just in a different form, not in the way that I thought I would own it. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I've always been a creative, just like you. I've always wanted to like engage with people and find ways to connect with people and all of that. And it's so funny how one small thing of reselling something online before it even was like reselling to us, right? Because I used to sell my books. I used to sell my purses, but like, Mm -hmm. it's different. I didn't know it was an actual thing. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. 
Well, you, you know, like the the sticker machines that you put like two quarters in and like you yes, pull yes. out and it comes. So I used to get those and I used to have like a photo album and I would show people and I would sell those for a dollar <laughs> because you got to choose your sticker at this point, whereas I had to keep pulling in the different ones. <laughs> so, you know, I was kind of genius the same thing then. <laughs> genius. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I've definitely done things like that too, but that's how you know that it's in you. And I feel like today when parents yeah. see that and see that in their children, they really need to encourage that because not that it wasn't encouraged when I was younger, but it was kind of like, you need to go to school. Like these, this is the path mm-hmm. you need to go down. I was Here's the first the, one. My, yeah. Step exactly. By step. I was the first one in my family to go to college, like, you know, immigrant family was a big deal, you know, all yeah. of that. And then I look back, I'm like, I really didn't need to do any of that. Very thankful for my education all, you know, and all the experiences, but I didn't need to do any of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that with like, when, when parents see different things in their kids, I was just having a conversation with my husband last night, like in the last 24 hours of spending with our nine-year-old, I've learned two things about him. Number one, he always wants to be the final say, like, even if he's repeating the thing that I just said, like he wants to have that final thought. The second thing is he doesn't want to be told what to do. He wants to negotiate and have options. And he's an attorney. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, on one hand, I want to be like, just stop it. But at the same time, like, I don't want to squash that. And so like, how do we work with that? So we've been trying some different tests when it comes to doing the homework, because he likes to negotiate how much time he has to do work versus go have a break. Uh, so we've, we've come to a timer that I have that looks like a little like dice that you can change to like 10 minutes, 30 minutes. But like you said, it's understanding your children and then figuring out what's the best way to raise them because I don't ever want them to have a specific personality that I just squash. I want to foster what it is that's created Mm -hmm. inside of them. So that someday they look back and going like, man, my upbringing was exactly what I needed to take me where I needed to go in the future. Yeah. It's just generational right so different Mm -hmm. and then when you're raising your own children and you realizing like well my parents did it this way but not that it was wrong but at the time it made sense but now in today's world it doesn't make sense to follow that same path it's so funny how all of that you know plays out oh yeah so now that everyone knows who you are and all the fun stuff about you we're going (laughs) to talk about Something that we've been talking about for a while now. And well, the first thing is you shut down your Poshmark closet. So you started on Poshmark. Yeah. That was your baby. And now yeah. it's gone. We're not doing it anymore. I know you had mentioned mm-hmm. you may play around with it again. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about that? Well, first of all, why did you shut it down? Let's start there. So, you know, with all the updates that Poshmark was doing, Uh, so I keep, I start all of my listings on eBay, you know, as the years have progressed, I've realized that, uh, it's easier to start there because Poshmark doesn't demand as many drop downs and descriptions as eBay does. So it makes it easier to, you know, consolidate towards Poshmark than it is to go from Poshmark to eBay. So we were already doing that, but I was having basically my Poshmark store on autopilot. I was having a virtual assistant cross list everything over. I was having them doing the sharing, doing the sending offers, but I was just watching on a monthly basis, the same consistent effort we were giving them, which was listing every single day, which on Poshmark, I mean, we've told people, I've told people, you don't have to list every single day, but eBay demands that. And so that's why we were still doing it on Poshmark. Right. Uh, Cause it was just the habitual habit of what we were doing. And every month I was seeing a decline in sales, no matter how many times I was trying to send offers. And it got to a point that I was having to do like 50%, 60% offers. There was one month that I had, and this was when I finally was like, okay, this isn't working. Uh, I had less than a thousand dollars and we were like the last week or the last week and a half of the month. And so I sent a really big uh, offer and then, well, I did two things. I tried the features tab where it was like, anyone who's liked an item or shopped in your store, you can send them an offer that way. So I sent a message and did kind of a smaller discount that way, but, and then accumulated the sales, accumulated some bundles that way. And then after that, a few days later, I did like a 50 or 60% off sale, but I was like, I shouldn't have to discount my items this much just to generate the same amount that I've been able to do for the last three years. This is absurd. Um, and I had continued to see a projection or not projection, um, when I was looking at my eBay store every month, it was growing. 
With Poshmark, every month it stayed the same. Even though I was listing more items, even though I was still sending offers, I was like, these are all the things you're supposed to do in the store. Like, why is this not changing? And I kept feeling like I had to give more time to eBay, or I'm sorry, to Poshmark just to get more sales. And so for me, with the model of the store, and that's kind of the thing I want to point out, I have more larger quantity, lower average sales price. I was just going to say, that was actually my question. It was just typing. <laughs> yeah. That, um, I felt like that store is struggling on Poshmark personally. And the more I asked questions and I went to the Instagram community a lot. Um, if you're struggling with sales, what kind of store do you have? It was typically vintage. It was typically larger quantity, lower average sales price. And it was, um, gosh, there was one other I can't remember what it was, but I noticed the ones that had higher average sales prices, more luxury goods, more designer pieces. Those were the ones that were still doing really well. I mean, even you, I reached out because you were like, man, I haven't had a sale in a minute. And then also you get like a $500 sale, which winner, if you have that kind of store, but I just felt like for me and the adjustments that Poshmark was doing, it wasn't supporting my store. And then on top of that, we add I needed to do an audit of my store. I had over 3000 items. The store had been around for, yeah, the store had been around for so long. And I began to realize, you know, I think curating a store might be a little better on Poshmark because customers can know what to expect when they come to my store. I'm not just trying to sell anything and everything. Mm -hmm. I know what categories sell well for us at this point. I know now doing this for several years, what I can get my hands on on a regular basis, what's pretty predictable. Uh, maybe I just need to revamp my store and do that. So that's why we closed it. And I also, I was like, Poshmark, I'm gonna give you a break. Like, just, just take a breather. You know, you, you fix your, fix your things. I'm not yeah. going to spend money just to lose We're just going to you know, separate for just a small period of time. Yep. <laughs> We're both just going to, we're going to break apart. We're, we're going to rethink ourselves for a minute. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll <laughs> this come relationship, back to the table. Yeah. My relationship is, this just isn't working for me anymore. So we need to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I did, I closed it. It's been closed for over a month at this point. I do miss it. <laughs> okay. This is the thing though, because Poshmark is so easy. And I think this is where a lot of people struggle is yeah. the foundation of Poshmark is easy, but what people aren't realizing and and I know that I've gotten a little bit of hate on this. Like I've gotten messages where people are like, well, not everyone can be like you. And it's like, I'm not saying you need to be like me. I'm saying you need to realize that this is the direction that they're going in. This is what they're trying to do. And you can't fault them. That's, they need to, they're hurting right now as a business. They have investors that they have to keep happy. And they, they, they have so much that they need to reinvest into the business and just restructure it. And that could, come in many different forms. And right now it's, we're going to push certain items at certain price points. And the people that are listing these kinds of brands are just going to get higher recognition in whatever algorithm it is that they're creating. And it's not a dig to anyone who sells volume or sells more of like that mall brand or just those items that don't um, command a high resale value. It's not a dig to them at all. It's just those pieces are, are not going to move in the same way anymore. And you could say the same yeah. about eBay though, because if you look at I a brand like J that. crew, there's so much of it. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, let's look at the big picture, like even take a step back away from Poshmark, like you just hit it. Um, about the time that I was closing my uh, Poshmark store, people were talking about that eBay is going to start doing a similar thing. Yes, they Why? are. Because shipping prices are increasing and they're becoming aware of that because gas prices are going up. Like we got to look at the bigger picture. And exactly. what did Thread Up just do? ThreadUp isn't going to accept specific brands now Mm -hmm. because they are losing money by trying to sell these H&M or Forever 21 or Shein. All of them are doing it. All of them are doing a pivot. We cannot just look at Poshmark and go, what the heck are you doing wrong? What I don't agree with with Poshmark is they, we found out reactively 
it was like Correct. we caught on to what happened and they were like oh yeah by the way we should let you know about that yeah it's like uh no yeah. Yeah. this is not how this works so let's no. take a step back now and have yeah. a conversation exactly i i loved the the them coming in to do a fire chat and i i think they could have been better prepared when they did that but i'm like step in the right direction let's do something like this more (laughs) you're being very kind (laughs) it's the thought that counts (laughs) yeah something like that (laughs) no i agree it was yeah definitely it was bad let's just be (laughs) honest it was bad if you're a corporation that's public that makes a lot of money we're just going to put it at that you make a lot of money and you have some big investors and Mm -hmm. you can't come together to figure out how to address the community you could have done this pre-recorded and saved yourself a whole lot of headache oh I agree yeah they're yeah they really could have done so much better in regards to the way that they presented that they could have done that before they made the changes. Um, I I don't understand why there's so much difficulty with that. Like on eBay, there's, there's an announcement. They do a quarterly seller's announcements. Here's what we're going to be bringing in. You can expect this in a couple weeks. I still have things written down in my notebooks from Poshfest that still haven't come to fruition yet. This was like a couple of years ago. (laughs) And it's never going to (laughs) happen. Right. (laughs) <laughs> so I, yeah, that was my breakup with Poshmark and why I did it. I needed to audit my store. I needed to make the pivot because I realized my model wasn't doing as well as it used to. And I think the ones that are very successfully still doing those models actually really do have a good following online. And, you know, I used to get that question a lot. People would ask, like, do you think having an influence on social media impacts your store? And at the time I would say no, because I'm like, I know people that make seven figures reselling that have no social media presence. So clearly they can do it. But I do think there is a turning point where your audience does want to support you. And I understand that now. And so I think those that still have the high volume and are making good money, it's because they've got the audience for it at this point. Yeah, I can see that. And I think that if you are pushing a higher volume, there are so many, depending on how you're getting that volume, there are lots of different ways for you to create these other streams of income. So if Poshmark is slacking one week, you've got these other streams now coming in, but Mm -hmm. a lot of these people have massive teams. And I think that's what the community at large kind of forgets. Most people in our community is a one man or woman show. That's generally what it is. And maybe they have a spouse or a significant other that, that helps them um, or children Mm -hmm. or something like that, but it's typically a one person show. And I think people forget that a lot of these individuals who maybe aren't on social media or don't have a heavy presence on social media, or maybe they do, but they're running warehouses. They're running, they're running these enormous businesses. It's very different. You can't compare the two. They're going to be successful no matter what. Yes. It's yes, very agreed. hard. Um, and I think the other part of it too is realizing, which is a great thing that you did. You, I mean, you went to the community and you asked questions and I think it was a good way for you to kind of start thinking about it. Like, mm, am I mm-hmm. doing something wrong or is this affecting other people as well? And yeah. kind of understanding that part of it, but then taking the step back to like actually analyze and look at your numbers and look at what's happening. Like so many people need to do this. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's the hardest thing to do in your business is to sit down and look at the numbers and figure out what's happening. It's hard. Number one, it's extremely Mm -hmm. difficult to do because a, it's your own business and you are a little protective of it. And B you get overwhelmed and you're like, well, then what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Where do I go from here? And if you didn't have the eBay store, would you have then jumped to eBay or would you have looked at some other platforms or or maybe change your sourcing method? What do you think would you have done? If if I still had, if I had just had solely my Poshmark store, I probably would have started to look at eBay after just seeing so many people in the community uh, doing well on it. Had I will, I will note this, had I not had my eBay store for as long as I did, you know, I had some good stability. I had over a thousand in reviews, which is big to have for a store. That's a lot. No, you look at, you look at an Amazon item and you immediately look at what is the star ratings on it Mm -hmm. and how many reviews does the store person have? So it is good to have those, those sort of ratings on eBay. Uh, 
I probably would have kept my Poshmark store. Uh, but because I had such a sustainability over on eBay, I felt like I could comfortably let go of that and just see where the pieces laid. See if, if I if put a little bit of effort into eBay, if that even helped increase. Would that little increase maybe surpass what I was doing on eBay or Poshmark? Would it make sense for me to make that time going back to Poshmark? So yeah, there's still a lot of questions I was asking myself that I probably wouldn't have let go completely of my Poshmark store had I not had that established already. I think there's so many people in the community having the same conversation with themselves. And I know a lot of people have started to look into eBay a little bit more and like invest in a cross-listing platform and just kind of go through those motions and figure it out. And everyone gets very overwhelmed with eBay. And I can totally understand why, because when I used to sell eBay on a like non-reseller basis, like just selling things on eBay, I didn't really, like, I didn't care. I didn't feel item specifics. If it sold, it sold, like whatever. Right. But to understand the nuances of it, and it does require work. eBay is not Mm -hmm. a platform where you can set it and forget it. You need to keep going back and checking your item specifics and relist things. I mean, there's a whole process to it all. And I understand why people get overwhelmed with it, but I think just getting started is honestly the first step. And all you need to do is go to YouTube. Just go to YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, I've started to do little tip videos. So if people are looking how to do like one specific thing on eBay, it's like it's taking that bite size, not trying to eat the whole elephant in one time, uh, because I have seen that be really pivotal. Just even me sharing like how I ship. That's like one of the highest videos on my store or I mean on my YouTube channel, because people are like, I don't understand it. It feels so daunting. And that's constantly what I hear from the community is they're like, it's too customizable. I don't even know where to start. Poshmark is so easy. I just print the label and go, you know, so Poshmark has made it the easiest thing to do on the planet and it spoils, it has spoiled every single Poshmark seller out there. (laughs) On what planet can you ship something five pounds and under for seven, whatever it is? Oh, and I miss that still. Trust me. Like, especially when I'm trying to sell boots, I'm like, this is why I love Poshmark. (laughs) But maybe, maybe to introduce yourself back into Poshmark, you just do shoes. Well, I, yeah. So we have started to look really what it came down to the types of categories that do well for us and what we can get our hands on is snow gear is coats, uh, boots, shoes, hiking boots, not so much heels uh, active wear, uh, jeans. And so we started to realize, Hey, we live in the Pacific Northwest, like Columbia, North face, Piranha, like is very easy to get our hands on. Why don't we just create like a Dick sporting goods, REI meshed into one. So that's kind of the route that, I I mean, I already kind of changed my picture over there to give that more vibe where you can see the trees, like on my cover photo. And I think the picture is my husband and I in our hiking gear. And I want the store to be geared towards that if or when I do start it up again. I think you'll start it back up. (laughs) I think you will. I just think you need to, and this is, and it's smart what you're doing. You just need to specify what it is that you want to focus on there. What is it that sold the best for you on there? And then kind of go from there. Um, there's something that stuck out to me during one of the calls that they did for Poshmark. I don't know if it was the last earnings call, the one before that, where they, they really mentioned about these stores, right? These branded stores. And I think they mean that in more than just the literal sense of like a Levi's anthropology. Like, I think they actually mean like you as a seller branding yourself as a certain kind of store that a buyer can come back to and expect a certain type of item from you. Like, I think that's the direction they really want to go back into. And it reminds me what Poshmark was like back in like 2016, when it was like very boutique-y and everyone was, everything was boutique. Everything on Poshmark Mm -hmm. was boutique. And you're like, what am I actually going to buy on here? Like, that's all it was, was boutique items. And I, I feel, I feel that, like, I feel them trying to go back to the roots of like what it used to be for them, but cater to what kind of sellers actually exist on their platform now. So I think it's smart. That's the direction you guys are looking at. Well, and eBay has already done a really good job of supporting their full-time sellers by providing them with ways for you to create newsletters. So if people have um, saved your store, they can get like a newsletter sent to them. And, you know, the more that we niche our store, the more that people can expect a specific thing on the store, you know, then we can send coupons for like, it's Memorial Day weekend, like 
if you're going to go on hikes or camps or go hunting, like here's the gear that we're Mm going to put on sale for that. So already we were kind of looking at some of those other, like the store coupons, the newsletters on eBay and wanting to be able to use those more. So it just makes sense that we would do the same thing over with Poshmark, but I'm not the hard goods or like certain things that are over five pounds. We would not be cross-listing those over there. It's just way too expensive. Absolutely. Do you think you would open up a separate eBay store for the hard goods portion or just keep everything all together, even if you are niching? I think we would keep it only because those come and go so fast. You don't like, I hate you were talking about like the specifics of things. My husband is comical when he creates those listings and puts in his title, puts the description, like one sentence, hardly adds anything in the, in the <laughs> drop down boxes and it freaking sells. I'm like, it, just it makes you question awesome. everything. <laughs> <laughs> like everything we're talking about done. It means just don't do it. When he does it. <laughs> don't do it any of the things. The items. No, <laughs> it, I know. whatever it is that you're looking for, you know, there are, he just finds the items that have like a hundred percent sell-through rate, I guess, like all the time. Well, I think it's because they're so specific. Like the hard goods he finds are so specific. I can see why it sells so quickly and he's good at it. So good for him. Mm -hmm. That's not me. (laughs) He at least does the research and we, we do a lot of like the scanning. So if it has a barcode, we'll scan it on eBay and it'll bring up all the active listings. And then you can go to that listing and go sell similar. So they do already bring over some of those descriptions. But yeah, he's funny. He does everything on his phone. He'll take the pictures on his phone. He'll list them there. Uh, It's just so funny. Um, Where? So we didn't talk about this, but where do you guys mainly source? I know where you mainly source, but other people wouldn't know. So we do love to shop at the Goodwill outlets. That is our favorite go-to place. Uh, But we also love to travel and thrift. We just took a trip to Las Vegas and that what we drove through Boise. We thrift there. We, we drove through Utah. We thrift in Salt Lake city. We drove to Vegas. We was there for a week. We went to consignment shops. We went to out the outlet down there. So we love to just explore and see what other places, what they have, because we know it's not all the same. And it also helps the community know, because you can see me in the Pacific Northwest getting like carts full of clothing and go, man, why can't I do that? Well, I went to the Vegas one and you can't do that down there. It is not that good. And like, you have to pivot the way that you source down there. And so every area is different and I want to be able to help people understand that and see that it's still there. there you still can be a reseller wherever you are, but it's just going to look different wherever you're located. Yeah. I just, I just posted a video about this on YouTube to like a, creating a strategy on how to source. Like, what do you do when you go into a thrift store? And one of the things that I talk about is um, explore go to different places. Even if you just travel 20 miles away from where you are, you don't have to go far. Like I'm in new England. So it's easy for me. I can drive 20 minutes. I'm in a different state. You know, it's it's very, very different, (laughs) but going to these different places allows me to acquire inventory that I would never, or I could find here, but it's just not as frequent. Um, and I think that's where being creative is is important in being a reseller. You can get this stuff online and source online. Sure. You could do that all day long. However, yeah. you're, it comes at a premium price when you're doing that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So I think that's great that you guys travel. And I love that you do it as a family vacation kind of thing too. I think that's so cute that you guys do that. <laughs> or you go alone and you literally fill your car with everything. <laughs> yeah. There is no room for kids because it's stuffed with stuff. Yeah. <laughs> But that's smart. And then with those enormous hauls that you're doing, you have enough stuff to last you. How long would you say? It depends on how many items we're listing, but typically it can be a month if we've really stocked the car and Jeff had to pull out the, you know, extension that we put on the top of the car that we're probably looking more at about six weeks or so, but it's basically like getting a pallet to some people, you know? Yeah. Have you ever done that? Gotten a pallet? I, I have. Would you do it again? I would. Yeah. yeah. But it scares the living daylights out of me. Uh, it, Denali said to me a long time ago, El Dutra Thrift, um, if you can't, and I think she actually got it from a mutual friend of ours, but like, if you can't, whatever you're trying to sell or buy a pallet at, if you can't take that money and like throw it in a dumpster and burn it and be comfortable with that, don't buy the pallet. 
because that is what you could possibly be doing with buying this palette. It is a roulette game. It, you, are, you are risking so much. It can be amazing or you could lose $4,000 or whatever the cost of the And this is. is why Daniela will never do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I mean, I like some element of surprise, but not that much surprise. Like I would do a right. manifested palette and pay the, you know, $10,000 that it will cost me, but it would need to be a real good manifested palette for me to do it. But then the other part of it is I need to unload it. I need to yeah. sort through it. I need to figure out like all of the quote unquote bad things, things that I don't want to sell. What am I right. going to do with all of it? What if I get 500 of just that one thing? Mm-hmm. And that's just the risk that you play when you do liquidation like that. And I don't know if it's for me. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. My husband, he loves to thrift. If, I mean, if we haven't put, driven that home yet, he will shop more than I will. I'll get to a point where I'm hangry and he will still keep going. But he even says, he's like, I love the cherry picking. I love being able to look through and find the treasures. And like, when it comes to a palette, you might have a ton of stuff you don't like, or you don't have any energy to want to list. Like Denali, I love watching what she does, but at the same time, like she pushes through, like she had, what was it? Like thousands of phone cases. I don't know how she does it. (laughs) I don't know how she does it. I give her so much credit. Um, I call her my twin because we're very similar in nature, but like when it comes to reselling, we're two totally different people. And I- Like your fraternal twins in that. (laughs) Yeah, like I don't understand how you can process all of that stuff. And like, not feel like you're going to explode because I would, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I struggle with like the, I have about almost 800 pieces right now in my inventory, but everything is like super organized in its place. Like nothing's on the ground. Like it's, it's all got a home and I can't imagine getting a palette of (laughs) hundreds and hundreds of things and just look at it and be like, I don't know. What do I right. do? What do I do with any of this? She does have employees. So, I mean, that does help. And a I system. Just, yeah. Yeah. She has a really good system and, and she's found her like rhythm with it all. But I don't know. I give people that do that a lot of credit. I agree. I love credit. that reselling. People can make part-time or full-time incomes with this, but it could look so different. Like even my friend per diem thrifts and I like she's oh she's a cutie pie store. I love her and her and I we both are very successful with what we do but we sell two entirely different things and she will pick up stuff for me that she's like I would never sell this and I will give her my free people or anthropology like dresses and stuff because then like they don't move for me she's like they will for me so it's just it's great I love that yeah and she has her own little spot now so she's doing awesome mm-hmm. she's doing so good so happy for her. Um, uh, this is a, a good final question, I guess, to end on. Um, where do you see the future of reselling, whether it's for you or in general? Like, where do you see it? We'll just say in the next year. We don't have to look too far ahead. You know, I I see a lot of people, excuse me. <clears throat> it's okay. I see a lot of people get worried about the future of reselling because more retailers are starting to realize how much money is in this and they want a piece of that pie. I'm also very aware that, you know, inventory for new merchandise is becoming very hard to do. And so there's going to be major pivots in the retail markets, but I don't think that should make anyone scared. I don't think that should make anyone feel like this is going anywhere anytime soon. There will always still be thrift stores. There's always still going to be yard sales. There's always still going to be flea markets. And if it doesn't look the way that it has, like we think about it, there's been resellers for 20 plus years. I mean, 30 years beyond, but they've done it in so many different ways. That's what an entrepreneur is. We're willing to move and ebb and flow with the way that the time is going. So I feel like reselling is still going to be here. I think it can still be in the hands of the small businesses. Are we going to have more competition? Absolutely. But I'm okay with people being okay with shopping more secondhand by having retailers doing the marketing for us in that regard. I still get so much hate on my reels about 
being a reseller or selling things that people have already worn. And I'm like, no, 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 we can kind of get on the other side of that conversation. Like, let's not be so wasteful. Let's not glamorize these influencers who change their wardrobe every season. And what are they doing with their products? And, you know, all the PR that they are getting, like so much waste is occurring in that way. So I feel like reselling is going to continue to grow. I just think we have to be willing to adapt to whatever changes are going to come. Yeah, I agree with you. I, to touch on the retailer aspect of it, I, I just don't see retailers being able to sustain it in the same way that a small business like us can sustain it. It's going to be very difficult for them. It's going to create a lot more work. Um, It's Mm -hmm. going, it's just not going to work out for them. It's not going to make them at Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder hit their bottom line the way they want to. And I don't think they've realized that yet because they're in it to make a certain amount. And I don't think they realize that that's just not how secondhand works because it is a new thing to them. Maybe down the line, they'll perfect it better. Um, But I think the companies that are doing it well, for example, is Levi's where they're upcycling Mm -hmm. their pieces or like they're doing something creative. Or Patagonia. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like they're being very creative with it. So I think brands like that that already understand sustainability, they're going to do their own thing with it. And it's not going to be the same thing that we do. If anything, it's probably going to affect those who upcycle more so than us. And that's just my personal opinion, because that's generally what they're doing. Yeah. Well, and I know eBay had just announced some sort of partnership that they're going to be doing with quite a few retailers, but even the retailers they were acknowledging was like Puma, Fila, uh, a couple of other brands. I'm like, I don't even, I don't even sell these brands. So I think that's going to, sorry, go ahead. I I just think that that's going to continue to bring more marketing to the audience of people that we're trying to sell to and get people familiar with secondhand. What I was going to say about the Puma and Fila and Adidas and like all those brands, they're almost in my opinion, like fast fashion, because they produce so much. So yeah, to me, that makes sense that eBay or any type of secondhand market would want to partner with them because there is an excess of all those things. When you go to an outlet of any, an outdoor mall outlet thing of any sort, what are the stores you generally see in there? Kate Spade, Coach, Nike, Adidas, all of these Mm -hmm. brands, Puma, Marc Jacobs, they're more of like that mall mall tier, but they have so much stuff. So they have to have these outlets, which is now discounting it. It's not secondhand, but still discounted. And then now you're starting to see more luxury brands doing the whole outlet thing too, which is newer for us here on the East Coast and and where I am in New England. There were some luxury brands that had outlets, but now we're seeing more and more of them because they're kind of falling in the same boat whether it's people not buying as much or people rotating their luxury more often because there are secondhand options now, like there's just mm-hmm. more things are circular. So you're starting to see that happen too. I feel like that's the first step for a retailer to understand secondhand. Like we're going to go to yeah. an outlet and we're just going to sell this overstock and we're just going to, we're going to keep that going and see how that goes. Yeah, It's interesting. You know, the retailers coming into it. I don't think as a reseller, we need to be afraid of any of that. I really don't No. No, I think initially when people see that they do get a little worried, but again, like just as much as I pivoted the way that I'm curating my store, there's always, there's always going to be plenty. There's always going to be a a lot until we make some changes as a, as a country. I think there's Mm going to be a lot of excess when it comes to clothing and shoes and just merchandise in general. I mean, even home decor, people are really quick to cycle through that as well nowadays. So thanks to home goods. Yeah. (laughs) Guilty, but also not good. (laughs) Right. Or TikTok giving you all the inspiration. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to talk about influencers and then we can, we can wrap it up because I think that there's two different kinds of influencers that do this. 
There's the ones that promote like the Target, Walmart, Sheen, Shein, however you say it, like you have those yeah. influencers. But then you have these luxury blogger lifestyle people who are circulating luxury goods like it's going out of style. And I think what there's there's two facets to this. The first one is most of the stuff is gifted to them and they're not paying for these things. And it sets this like false pretense to all of us that watch them. I'm guilty of doing that too. I watch certain um, you know, mm-hmm. lifestyle bloggers. And I'm like, how the hell do you have a new Hermes bag? How did you just right. go to the store and get that? Like, I just don't, I, it's mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. And I forget that, oh yeah, well they get paid to go to these places and wear these things and they pick out a bag yeah. and it, like, it's just, it's all a game. And then right. this, the other part of that is, so not only is there that false pretense, but a lot of times they're not keeping this stuff and they're either A, selling it, so they got it for free and they're selling it or B, they're just handing it back. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just a different world, I guess, of like, there's luxury waste. Luxury waste does exist. It, it is, it is yeah. a thing, but it's just exists in a different way where mm-hmm. the, like the, the fast fashion target and all that kind of stuff is evident. It's in your face. You see it all the time from influencers so it's on both ends of the spectrum. And it's like, how do you find a place in today's world where social media and influencing is so big? How do you find that happy medium where we're not doing this to each other anymore? And I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, it's hard because the benefit to being a reseller is we can rotate through our closet, but we have an outlet to sell our stuff, which I love. And especially when my kids are growing, you know, and I have easy access to like Nike and champions and different brands like that for them, but then I can quickly sell those brands as well. I, I really, really like that, but I agree with you. I feel like we can fall. It's a teeter totter that I have gone back and forth with where I don't do a lot of like thrifted outfits of the day. I've wanted to, I've always thought that'd be fun to do because you see influencers doing these things, but I don't want to send the improper message. And I came into this with my husband throwing away merchandise in a landfill going, why can't we bring this back into the market? It's still useful. And that I don't want to lose track of that passion from where the motivation of why we started it in the first place, which is why I like the idea of supporting and encouraging the active family going on camps, making memories and having the supplies and tools that you need to go do those things. I feel like I can confidently resolve in that message versus like what you're saying where we have luxury waste and we have fast fashion waste but I I don't know I've also thought about how we have fashion shows I love when you like do your remarks on like insta stories (laughs) about like what is this person doing there what are the prints and the colors and I still Mm -hmm. admire those things and I think it's fun to take those, you know, Pinterest worthy, like photos and go into thrift stores and try to recreate those in the thrift stores. But like you said, what do we do after those items? And if we're encouraging people to be thrifters in that regard, are we also encouraging waste just in a different way? That's still kind of, it's, it's that question mark that I have in my head regularly. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I, I struggle with that too, because so my personal closet really isn't that big and I've kept it that way on purpose. I have always Mm -hmm. been someone who rotates their closet very frequently before I didn't do it with thrifting. I did it with going to the outlets and buying something new kind of thing, right? Right. I would sell something and then go to the outlets. Well, now I sell things and then I take that money and reinvest it. And if I find something for myself with thrift, cool. Like, you know, that's just how it works now. Um, But I try to keep my closet really lean or as lean as I can, because I've realized over the years, I generally only wear the same things over and over again. And I have a very specific style, but I also like to have items in my closet that I can wear year round. Like that's usually what I'm thinking when I'm buying things. Like, yes, I live in a place where we have all four seasons, but I can still wear a cardigan in the summertime. Sometimes if I go somewhere and the AC is blasting, I can still put a cardigan on or you're near the water and it's late at night and you want to put a sweater on or something. So Mm -hmm. I try to like keep that in mind. And I, and it's, why I created, and I haven't done one in a while, but I've created some videos on like what I got in my closet. Like what have I thrifted from my closet and kind of showing all of that 
And those pieces really haven't changed in the last time I did a video. The most frequent thing that I change are my shoes and my handbags. But that's like, <laughs> that's like my kryptonite, like shoes and handbags right. and makeup are my kryptonite. But I'm also mindful with that now. So it's like, how do you show this to the general public? How do you influence others to have that same kind of mentality without having them go to the thrift store and just buy a bunch of things and other closets just fill with a bunch of things that they're never going to wear. I don't know. It's such a hard concept. Yeah, I know. Kind of like what you were talking about. If I bring more stuff into my wardrobe, I have this, okay, you just got two new shirts. You got to pull two shirts. Yep. And I try to do the rotations like that. Or we talk about having that like minimalist closet mm -hmm. or, you know, I, I do see that swing. We've got people that are buying all the things and are kind of hoarding in that regard. Or you also have the people that are like, I'm so tired of clutter and I'm just ready to get rid of it all. Uh, so I don't know. I feel like just done correctly is just, I don't know, the best way to do it when, if you have items, if you do love to shop and that is something you enjoy, we'll find your outlets of, you know, are you going to send it off to thread up or are you going to send it to the real real or like, just don't throw it away, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or find a, find a, a shelter that can help with that. Like, I think we just need to understand. It's so easy to talk about the start of the transaction. When you do start talking about the end transaction, what do you do mm. when you're, when you're ready to complete part your ways with it? You know, this item doesn't give you joy anymore. Like, what are you going to do instead? I think maybe we should have that conversation more. Yeah. And not so much about all the wonderful, which the trends are really fun to talk about. So I'm never going to stop talking about trends, yeah. but what do we do with the pieces that those trends are no longer a thing, or maybe they're not a trend for you anymore. And you just don't like those pieces don't speak to you anymore. So like, what's that process look like for you? Mm -hmm. Or very typical, like you were pregnant. So you have maternity clothes or you just changed jobs. And so now you went from a career job to, you know, you have to have more suited, like not business casual, like very business style mm -hmm. clothing. I mean, there's so many different things versus just trends that we ebb and uh, flow with in life. Yeah. Okay. We're going to collab and we're going to do a video on this. That's, that's what we're going to do. This, this sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so Don't much, Ashley, well. for sitting with me and having this conversation with me. This was so much fun. Thank you so yeah. much. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Well, good. I'm glad <laughs> you're welcome back anytime <laughs> when you decide okay. to open your Poshmark closet, we're going to do a part two. And we're going to talk about what that looks like for you now with the strategy. It would be good to do it once I've had it open for a while. Mm -hmm. So we can say, how's it going now? Yeah. I think that'd be interesting to see, like, did the mindset change? All that kind of fun stuff. So Ashley will be okay. back. I don't know when, but she'll be back whenever she decides <laughs> okay. to open her Poshmark store again. Right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And we will chat next week. Bye.